Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. With her mom and they're putting an article out, they're, they're doing a documentary on their lives. And they asked Cher, so what do you think about your childhood? And she says, I really don't know much. My, my mom got married six times. I don't know which one of those guys meant anything. And why were you talking with your mom? You guys have been separated. Well, we had to announce to her that my daughter wants to be a man. Chastity wants to have a sex change and be a, and it, it becomes a chaotic, crazy world. And so, thank God, the Bible says that the Spirit of God comes and restores us um, and changes. I, I want to read that verse real quick, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Real quickly, we'll put it up there. Because when people ask you, and I just had a friend of mine ask me this week, Joaquin, you can't do that because there's a genetic predisposition. Genetic predisposition. There's a gene inside of people that makes them gay. And let me ask you something. Is there a gene inside of people that makes them thieves? Or can you repent from being a thief and stop stealing? Well, in the same way, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that people that are walking in an unrighteous mindset will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So the deception comes when fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites. These, these are conditions of sin and rebellion, disobedience, whatever you want to call it. Verse 10, he says, thieves, those who desire things that are not theirs, drunkards, those people that revile, that are always talking twistedly, open their mouth to talk against the order of God, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11 is the PowerPoint uh, this is the main verse. You want to memorize this verse so that you can go out to your generation. And it says, such, these things, were some of you. You guys were these things. Could you say the word were? Because that's the past. Okay? Such were some of you. But you were washed. That's what a sinner needs to do is come to the blood of Jesus and get washed. And he says, and you were justified. Uh, what's the word justified? You were made like if you never were these things in the name of the Lord. You were washed and sanctified. You were justified uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How? By the Spirit of God. It's a different spirit. The, the first thing that I recognized that there was a reality of God in my life were when I stopped saying bad words. Bad words stopped coming out of my heart. Why? Because now the Spirit of God was in my heart. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I want to encourage you to change your world, to change your world. Quit conforming to this generation. You don't have to curse. You don't have to smoke. You don't have to drink. You don't have to go around with the passions of the flesh uh, and, and be involved in twisted sexuality. You could be washed. You could be sanctified. You could be justified. Who are the guys that don't want this? Either they don't know or they're not interested. But the God is clear in this scenario. God is clear that this is available for all people. We're going to ask the, the children to go back into Sunday school now. We're going to ask the older group to stay out here because we have a special treat for them. Uh, the younger ones could go back to Sunday school. Let's give a big hand for our Sunday school class and our children. Listen, 
I started, I started when I was 16 years old to have a different mindset. I would never be found at City Hall talking to the mayor and the city officials and the council people, the wisdom of God. And if I started late, imagine what our kids are going to do. Our kids are going to do great and powerful things. And even as I was listening um, a couple of days ago, me and my wife began to listen to uh, one of the opportunities our oldest son, Nicholas, had to go to Jacksonville to compete uh, with the Florida Association of Christian Schools. And he was able to share a powerful word called the good life. I talked about it a little bit. I, I didn't have a chance to hear that entire preaching until a couple of days ago. And when I began to hear what God had put in his heart and what he took up there, I said, man, I was not thinking like this when I was 18. I was not, my, my thoughts were not ordered. I had no clue what were my pursuits. Do you understand that you can have a pursuit in life? You could go after things in the right direction. You don't have to go after the wrong direction. It's, it's, it's beyond me how somebody, they tell them, that's the wrong way. Well, that's the way I want to go. You know, you wouldn't do that on the highway. You wouldn't get your car and drive on the opposite flow of traffic on the highway unless you had some serious issues. And so here it is that I've asked my son this morning. I said, Nick, I, I need you to bring that word to the congregation. It's not the first time that he has shared. Um, back 15 years ago when the church started, um, he must have been a good, how old, three years old? Because you're 18 now, so minus 15. He was three years old. And the Sunday school teacher would come out after service and tell me, you know, your son, he's raising his hand all the time. He's, he's answering all these questions. He's really involved in Sunday school. So that brought joy to my heart. And then um, that was when he was three. When he was 12, he went over to Clarita's house on a Monday night. And Clarita says, Nick, do you have a word? He goes, yes, I got a word. And, and he stood up, and it was the first time that he ever took the Bible in his hands and addressed adults. And to me, it was precious because that is the time that the Jewish son, when he turns 12 years old, it's called the Bar Mitzvah. It's the day that the son takes the word of God and reads it to the congregation. And here we didn't do it as a, celebrate, a celebration or a ceremony, but God was doing it through uh, his life and allowing him to walk in the honor and the, in the inheritance of his people. And so Nick got up and he delivered a real powerful word when he was 12 years old. And today we have him again um, he graduates from high school this year. He starts his university. But I know that, that God is going to use this man to bring powerful wisdom to his generation. Let's receive him with the love of the Lord. Amen. Hello. All right. Well, good morning. I'm excited to be here. Uh, some of you think that I am nervous. You guys are right. But... Um, beyond that, you know, throughout, you know, this isn't the first time I preach. It is the first Sunday, but uh, I know that hopefully this will not be my last, and I'll continue to be able to come up here and bring what God is putting on my heart. Uh, I just want to start out uh, saying a little background to this. Uh, I was in the middle of my regional semifinals basketball game uh, for my team at Westwood, and we were in the locker room at halftime. And what was supposed to be a walk in the park type of game, a game where we're just going to come in, we're going to blow out this team and move on, now turned into a second half, we're tied. And I'm looking at this and we're just thinking about what's going to happen. And luckily after the game, I was sitting in my car and I was looking back at what was happening and we were able to pull out and we won the game. 
and I was just thinking about how close it was and all the different factors, like how many people, oh, our best player fouled out, and we had him with, we were without him for like the last five minutes, and just the way that we were able to just pull out through, and, and God was really able to magnify himself through this, and while I was thinking about this, I also brought to memory that uh, while I was there, somebody had got fouled from my team, and I was sitting there at the free throw line, and I'm just standing there, I'm getting a rest, I'm looking around, and during the games, you know, I'm usually in the zone, I don't pay attention to anything else. If you're screaming for me, I might hear you, but I highly doubt it. You know, like, it's just a crowd out there. But during the free throws, I look back and I see who's there. So I'm there and I look back and I see the majority of the crowd. There's like maybe 150 people, maybe 100 people. And 50% of that crowd is my family. (laughs) Because of how big we are. My family and friends are there and they're there cheering me on. And I'm like, in my car, I'm thinking like, wow, there's a lot of people coming out for me tonight. And I was thankful to God for that because... Most people on my team, you know, they don't even have their parents maybe even come. If they do, they have just the mom because their dad's not involved in their life, or they might have just a sibling come out. And I was just thinking about all the different good things that were coming out tonight. And not only that, but like just a bunch of blessings in my life that God has given me. And God brought to memory, he revealed to me that the only reason, the sole factor for me having all these different blessings in my life was the fact that I decided to consecrate and give my life to him. And because of that, yeah. Because of that, now for the rest of my life, I'm going to be living the good life. So before I begin, before I start, I'm going to ask that you guys all bow your heads, close your eyes as I come in the presence of God. Jesus, thank you for this day we have here, for this moment. I pray that you just calm my nerves and that uh, you may be able to elaborate on everything that you have given me to share, God. I pray for the hearts of your people, God, that you may open it up and that we be able to plant seeds, God, that will be able to... Uh, grow in their hearts, and then we'll be able to all continue in our purpose and in our call for you, that you have for our lives, God. And that uh, through this and through what we're able to put on the special glasses to be able to see what's going on in the future and what you have in store for us, God, and that you truly do want to live, uh, have us live the good life and the life that you have prepared for us, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I preached this for the first time, it was at, uh, like my dad said, at Jacksonville, a competition for my school or whatever. I represented them. And the first time I preached it, it was at 8 o'clock in the morning. I was the first guy preaching. And when I walked into the room, it was just me and two judges. And the night before, like with all my friends and everything, I didn't really get to sleep too much because we were just fooling around and stuff. But uh, so I was dead tired. And then there was only two judges and like there's nobody there. And I was tired, and when I preached, it was, like, really bad. As, as, you know, like, whenever you preach, it's always something good, but for some reason, like, I didn't feel like I was, like, I was being used by God as to the fullest. Like, I felt like I left some things out. I even struggled to get, like, the 10-minute mark, which is, like, uh, pretty easy to achieve, especially with how many notes I had. But I just zipped through it, and I didn't elaborate on what I had. And I thought, like, I thought back, and I was like, man, I got to fix some things in my life. I got to go back at it. And luckily, I was able to be given a second opportunity to preach at youth group for Living Stones. And that Saturday, uh, you know, I was there in the, in the conference room with my friend Mauricio because we were doing half service uh, me and half service him. And I was able to tie in and it was like, I think the best preaching that I've ever had and that uh, we were both able to share together. But on top of that, like, I just felt like the presence of God was on me more and it's always best when that happens. Can I get an amen? And uh, I was just able to share my heart, like, to the fullest. And I asked them, what do we think? When we think of the good life, what is something that we think about? And so I got a mic, and I went down there, and I asked a couple people what they thought the good life was. 
And the first person I asked was Paulette. I was, Paulette, what is the good life? And she took a moment and she thought about it. And after like 10 seconds, she goes, massages. <laughs> and I was like, Paulette, that, okay, whatever, that's the good life for you. And then I asked around and I went to, I think my cousin Natalie. I'm like, what is the good life? And she said, the good life is having friends. I was like, okay. I went to another one. What is the good life, Kayla? The good life is having your family around you and the church being able to uh, come and uh, be able to embrace you and take care of you. And so all these things put together, all these things that they named were things that made them happy. For Paulette, massages made her happy. For Natalie, her friends and her family, made, and Kayla, their friends and family made them happy. So the good life, what we think it is, is a life of happiness and a life of contentment. A life where we're without want. And we're, we have everything for us, and we have everything given to us, and we're just happy all the time. We have peace in our hearts. And the good life, from my first point, the good life is lived by grace. We didn't have to do anything to start off. We were just born, and God had already handed us something. He had already given us a gift. If we go to Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it was not yourselves, it was the gift of God. When we were born, born sinners, God still had a gift waiting for us. He has a lot of gifts for us as soon as we decide to be his child. But on top of that, he had already given us a gift from the beginning. Like a a welcome to the world uh, welcoming gift. And that was salvation. And we didn't have to do anything for that. But not only did we have salvation, we also had a bunch of different blessings given to us before we made a decision to even follow Christ. Like the sole fact that, thank God, everyone here was able to wake up this morning. Last night, that was, it could have been the last night for somebody. Last night, somebody didn't wake up this morning. And they were, like, that was it. They're wiped off from the face of history. There's no decisions they could change. All their regrets, everything is stayed in the earth, and they cannot change anything about it. But we're able here, we're able to wake up this morning, and we're able to come to church and have, you know, our healthy bodies. Not only that, not only were we able to wake up, but we woke up in our houses. A lot of people had to wake up in a hospital this morning. And they have to go throughout their lives with this pain and this agony, and we were all able to help each other. Well, the majority of us were able to help each other get out of bed. But we didn't have to call for the nurse to come and be like, excuse me, can you please help me come out of my bed? We were able to use our two legs that God has given us. We were able to get out and go brush our teeth. We were able to make breakfast. We were able to help out our families with whatever they needed. Iron a shirt, iron a tie to come to church. We were able to do that all ourselves. And that was something I gave God, uh, thanks to God for. Uh, another thing that I thought about, uh, I got accepted into FIU not too long ago. And... I'm excited. I, I don't know when I'm going to be starting. I might start in the summer, but I don't know when I might start in the fall. But I know that that was God completely because I, myself, I do get good grades and I do apply myself in school, but I don't put myself out there like others do. Like my cousin Corinne, she just won valedictorian. She's a brain. She's genius. She, she took SAT classes. She goes to something called Symphonettes where she gets her hours to get scholarships. She applies herself for scholarships. And I just went to SAT class. I took it, and that's it. I got my SAT score, and I sent it to FIU. I prayed, and it came out that I got accepted. So I know that that was God in there. I was on a state championship basketball team this year, which I'm extremely grateful to God for. For some reason, my junior year, Wester decided to be great at basketball. And it was the year that I was going to go play varsity is the year that God uh, was able to bless me with that. And uh, this year we were able to finish in states in the state uh, finals. And it, like, uh, looking back as, my, as a senior, 
uh, that's more than enough that I could ever have asked for. I would have never seen myself uh, be over there in Lakeland looking at all this uh, stuff that I was able to finish over there my senior year. When I thought about when I was a sophomore and I was a freshman and I played for my basketball team, I thought that the, the greatest thing that could ever happen to me was to win the district championship. And that's like the first game right after playoffs. And I knew that that was something like incredible that God had blessed me with uh, in my life. I got a new car not too long ago. My dad was able to bless me with that. Uh, I used to have another car. I used to call it TBT. My license plate is 355 TBT, like Throwback Thursday. And it was a Throwback Thursday, let me tell you. And um, within, like, the second week, the antenna broke, and I had no radio. But, like, it was a great car, let me tell you. I liked it, and uh, I was able to drive it around. But for graduation, my dad just got me a new Honda, and it's gold. So my dad got me a gold car. And uh, I'm the only one in my class that has a gold car. And I enjoy it. I like it a lot. The radio works. So, uh, but I got a new car, and I'm happy to God. And thank you, Dad. That was a, I loved it. Uh, my family and friends are always there for me. My, my family comes to my games. My friends come to my games. My dad and mom are home. They're not separated. Their marriage is still together. I don't have to wonder if... I don't have to wonder if my dad's going to be coming home late at night, drunk or something like that. I don't have to worry about my mom cheating on my dad if, he's, if she's going around doing promiscuous activities or anything like that. Um, I don't have to defend my dad. I mean, my, defend my mom from my dad. Like, I don't have to worry about him coming home in rage one day and me having to defend my family or anything like that, which I've heard stories that is, like, unbelievable. It blows my mind. The fact that he had to grab a bat and try to defend the, the family because the dad was so drunk that he was starting to beat up on his family. And I praise God that my dad is the one that defends our family. I don't have to do it. This morning, uh, this morning, a beast entered into my home, and my mom was, she's like over here in the corner. If you've been to my house, you know that the door's over there, and she's like in the back. She's ironing her shirt, and someone had to step out to go get something from the car, and they left the door open. And all of a sudden, something flew in, and my mom was like, dragon! And she ran. And my dad, my dad was like in the back hallway, and he runs, he's like, where? And then when we look, um... Like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, my mom just screamed bloody murder. And my, when I look, my dad, he's like there all heroic, and he bends down. He picks up the dragonfly, and he walks to the door, and he sets it free. And I was cracking up because, like, you know what? Thank God that my dad was there. You know, my mom was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. But my dad was able to take care of it. He picked up the dragonfly and let it go, and he's there to protect my mom. God is the giver of all good gifts. And if we could put James 1.17 on the screen, please. Yeah. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. If we could put Matthew 7.11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And for last, 1 John 4.19. We love him because he first loved us. So all these things I've said for my first point, that the good life is lived with a, by grace. And it was because of him that he gave us all these things so we could live our life to the fullest. 
before we even decide to go and follow God. So we have family, we have friends, we have all the good gifts that God's given us, we have salvation, we have all those things, our healthy bodies. But unfortunately, with all those things God has already given us, we still think that there's more that we can do ourselves that we could get better for ourselves. And for point number two, there's something called the imaginary good life. And the good life has many similar lifestyles, but they're fake and they don't last. Uh, back a couple of months ago, there was something going on in Bayside. It's called the Ultra Music Festival. And that's just uh, what it is, a music festival where they get famous DJs and all these house music uh, artists. And they all go and they big, big, uh, like, big, they put big, like, B-52s and, like, they put big amps and they put, like, a big stage. And they go and just they blast music to the highest volume they have. On top of that, they have uh, p- kids, like my age and younger, running around with different drugs, and they don't stop them. The, like, if anything, if a fight breaks out, that's what they'll, start, they'll stop. But as for drugs, that's what they go for. Um, the people that go there, they dress crazily, if you even want to say they're dressed. They, some people go just with, like, their underwear, and that's it, and they go with the drugs. And basically, what I see Ultra as is a bunch of sweaty people running around naked, high, and at the end of everything, there's a Chinese DJ. He's very famous. He grabs a cake, and he throws it in the crowd. And after everyone's sweaty and nasty and all that stuff, they have cake all over them, and they go back home, and they feel empty. And they're like, what the heck? I just had cake thrown at me. I should be happy. I just had drugs. But what's going on? And the fact is that all that stuff doesn't last. And for those five minutes that you're high, for those ten minutes that you're sticking with cake, there's nothing that could satisfy you more than to what? To buy the weekend pass and have to go to Ultra for the entire weekend. And that's what they continue to do, and they blow their minds out. In fact, this one girl that went to Ultra, she was so high and wasted, she started to make out with a tree. I don't know what's more, like, like if the devil definitely used her as a puppet and just, like, ruined her life. She has millions of video of view, views on uh, YouTube, and she like, completely just destroyed her life looking for what is the good life, looking for what can give her contentment, giving her uh, happiness. Kanye West, he wrote a song. It's called The Good Life, and he, a pretty worldly guy, so we'll take his uh, word for what he thinks the good life is according to the world, and he says that it's all the girls, I have all the girls I want. Whenever I go, the people know me, I'm popular. He has all the cars, he has all the money, and he goes around bragging about all these things that he's done himself and that he has the girls, he's got the money, he's got the cars, he's got the buildings, he's got it all. But little does he know that even though everybody knows him, that's not going to matter because he needs to figure out if God knows him. Because when he's standing there before Almighty God, and he's there on his knees and his face is in the floor because of God's awesomeness and his righteousness to hear the words, I never knew you. If you just think about that, those, just that simple phrase, I never knew you, he's in a field like he wasted his entire existence. The imaginary good life uh, doesn't last, like I said earlier. We uh, possessions in the imaginary good life may look like they give contentment. We look at the iPhone, 
the iPhone 1 came out, and everyone was freaking out because it was a touchscreen phone, and that was the coolest thing. And now we're here at the iPhone 5, and people are continuing to buying it because new things come out, and they don't know what's, if that one's going to be better. Oh, no, but the iPhone 5S is going to be better, and they're going to continue to buy it and buy it and buy it. And how many, like, who knows how many iPhones are going to have to come out for one person to be like, oh, I'm finally content with this one, and I don't need any more. Businesses may give happiness for a season. With my new car, my new gold car that I've been driving around, with, um, going up and down Burn Road and like Miller and all these places, I see these little stores that you guys are familiar with too. It's called Palacio de los Jugos. And next to each Palacio de los Jugos, there's a number. And there's Palacio de los Jugos 5, Palacio de los Jugos 3, there's 1, 2, all these numbers. And while I was driving, I was thinking about this. I was like, how many Palacio de los Jugos does this guy need to finally be happy? We're going to need like Palazzo who was 50, Palazzo who was 60, and the guy will continue to open up little stores because he's never content with how many he has. He has to get another Palazzo de los <laughs> Relationships could promise contentment. If we look in the lives of celebrities, these two are famous for their relationship statuses constantly changing. We have Taylor Swift and Adele that make a living off their bad relationships, and whenever they break up with one boyfriend, they come out with one new hit for some reason. Uh, and they continue to look for someone that's going to be able to take care of them, for someone that's going to be able to call them princess, and I'm going to be here for you, and they're going to be able to defend them. And I can guarantee you that they will trade that life of popularity, that life of all the money that they have, I guarantee they'll trade it all if they could have or find somebody like Kenny, or like my dad, or like somebody that's going to be there, or like somebody like Jenny, or like somebody like my mom, or somebody like my grandparents. If they could have a relationship like that, they would... For sure, give it all up just to have a beautiful marriage or a beautiful family like that. If you could go to Genesis 13, just to give you a backstory of what's going on in this chapter, Abraham and Lot are looking over, uh, they're standing on top of like a hill or a valley, and they're looking over this plain, and their, their servants have been fighting with each other. So Abraham tells Lot, Lot, let's not let this quarreling keep on. Let's go ahead and split our ways, and you pick one side, and I'll pick the other. So if we go to uh, Genesis 13, verse 8, we start there. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right, and if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain uh, and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Then the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes where you are and look north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. What Lot didn't know is that at this very moment, he was given a choice. Are you going to go ahead and trust God and decide, have God decide where you're going to uh, have your life? Or are you going to choose and look for yourself where your good life is? So Lot's standing there and he's looking over and he sees to his left 
the land is not that well watered. It's like a little dusty. It needs work. But to the right, he sees the city of Sodom. He sees uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He sees the plains, that there's grass, that's good for his animals to eat. And he looks and he says, he sees Sodom and he's like, they look like they're having fun over there. They look like they're having a good time. They, they look like they're having festivities and they have a king that could protect them. They have all these things. So you know what? I'm going to start, Abraham. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to go set my tent over there. So he does that. But we notice that Abraham didn't choose where he was going to go. God was the one that told him where he was, what he was going to give him. In verse 15 and 17, it says, All the land that you will see, I will give you. In 17, go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Abraham was being given the good life. But while Abraham, while Abraham was going over there, he's walking and the dust is rising from his feet from everything that's going on. And he's thinking, he's like, God, you sent me here when over there it was green and you gave me this and said. Now, Abraham had to work the field. He had to, had to till it. He had to plow. And I could just imagine Abraham in this circumstance of being, felt like he's being left out. He wasn't given the good lands according to uh, what he saw. He's there and he's plowing. And I could just imagine him like wiping the sweat off his brow. He looks over and he looks over to where uh, Lot pitched his tent. And they see him and he has grass and he has green. He has vegetables and he has everything growing. He's just thinking like, why God? And many times in our lives, we feel like we're in this circumstance where we look out and we look to our friends and family that are in the Lord. And we look at what they're doing and it looks like they're living the good life. They have, they have good money. They don't have a problem with their finances. They may have good cars. Their families may look like it's all together. They look like their business is going well. And we're the ones serving God. How come that's not happening to us? How come we're the ones being here left out and like nobody's taking care of us when we're the ones that are under God? How come it doesn't look like that? And while Abraham's looking at all this, what he didn't know was that God saw under the soil and what it could be. And God saw that he saw a land where a nation of Israel was going to rise up and was going to last forever and was going to still be alive today. And that he was going to be the father of many nations. We're here looking and we're looking down and we're like, God, I don't understand what's going on here. How come this circumstance is not going well? I'm having a hard time. I'm the one following you. How come I'm not living the good life? And God's like, because I have the good life for you, but you just have to wait and trust me for me to give it to you. If we could put Psalm 1-6 up on the screen. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God knows what he has for us. And he knows that all that stuff that Lot, he knew about Solomon and Gomorrah being destroyed with fire and brimstone. He knew that. He didn't want that for Abraham. He wanted Abraham to be the father of many nations. He wanted blessings for Abraham. He wanted Abraham to be remembered for generations to generations to come, to even be part of the lineage of Christ. So... While this is going on, Abraham finally gets acquainted with his land and he's finishing all this up. Uh, angels come to Abraham and Abraham eventually has to go and save Lot. So while at first it looked like Abraham was losing, eventually Abraham was the one that had to go back and save Lot. And in verse uh, Genesis 19.29, we can read, it says, So when God destroyed the cities." And of the plains, he remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. 
your friends, your family, the people you know, they're going to be running to you for help. If we look in the life of my dad, when he was 18, at my age, that's when he first started to become a Christian. Around that age, uh, he started to start hanging out with certain friends. And they're like, what's going on, Joaquin? You're not going to hang out with us? You're not going to curse with us anymore? You're not going to tell those jokes? You're not going to go out partying and drinking with us anymore? And dad's like, no, I'm done with that. I found out what's good. And at that time, I bet my dad felt like he lost everything, like he lost all his friends. He has to start off fresh new. He lost uh, his relationships with different people. And at the time, it looked bad for him. But now, 30 or 20 uh, years later, we look, and constantly, my dad will come home on the phone. He has never come home not on the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, who are you talking to? And then he's like, and then he'll finish talking. I'm like, oh, Dad, who was that? And uh, just for example, he'd be like, oh, that, that was Peter. I'm like, oh, yeah, who's Peter? He was a friend of mine when I was 18 years old. He's getting a divorce now. All right. Next day. All right, I'll call you back later, all right? Tell me how everything works out. Okay. Dad, who was that? Oh, that was Eric. Oh, who's Eric? Oh, he's just a guy that he's con- his son is contemplating suicide. All right. Hello? Yeah. All right, I'll help you tomorrow morning. Okay, thank you. Who was that? Oh, that was George. Oh, who's George? A friend of mine when I was 18. Oh, okay, what's going on with him? He's going to jail now. And constantly, constantly, every single day, my dad will come home with a new story of somebody that is losing their marriage, losing their life, losing their kids. They're losing something in their lives because of the sole fact that they didn't decide to live the good life like my dad is now. And now today, when I see what's going on with him, my dad... um, not too long ago, uh, when my dad was a lawyer, even then, when he, my dad left his law practice, like all the people telling him that he was crazy, how is he going to support four kids and all these different things, how are you just going to be a pastor, they're not going to be able to make enough money to support us, and I can now recall a day where the light in my house was not being able to turn on, I've always had money for gas in my car, I've always, the, we've never had to like move out of our house because it was being taken away, and God has continued to bless my dad and showed him how many good things are going on in his life. My dad was a lawyer, he drove a Lexus. And you already know where I'm going with this. (laughs) My dad did not tell anybody about the Lexus. And randomly, on the 15th anniversary of our church, Gary comes up here and he gives pastor, we have something for you, and gives him back his Lexus. (laughs) If we could put Ecclesiastes 114 up. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity and is grasping for the wind. When we go looking for the good life in the world, the imaginary good life, all we're going to be doing is grabbing something and grabbing something. And every time we open our hands and we look to see what we've got, we've got nothing. So we grab more, and we grab more, and we move more in the direction away from the purpose that we have been called to our lives, God, that God has for us. And when we see that when we are the ones looking for the good life, we never attain it. But when we choose God and we choose to follow after God's good life, we won't have to go looking for it because he's going to give it to us. And we don't have to look for what God has planned because God's just going to give it to us. We don't have to take guesses or shots in the dark to see where we're going to take our next step because God's going to be like here with his hand open leading us to the plans that he has for us and the blessings and the family and the marriage and everything good that God's going to have open for us later on in the future. 
for my last point, so we got one, the good life is lived by grace. Number two, the imaginary good life, a life that we will never be able to attain outside of God. But number three, lose yourself. Put God in charge of your life. You just have to completely lose who you are, lose your wants, lose everything that makes you who you are, and make yourself like God. Make your, put your position inside God's hand. Let God take you by the hand to where he has for you. And put Matthew 6.33 up. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We look to God, and while we praise him, we receive what he's got for us. And when we look up to God, he pours down his blessings to us. He throws down marriage. There, you're going to follow me? There, you got marriage. Oh, what else do we have? We put up our hands. He throws down another family. We put up. He throws down. Oh, there's the bill to the house. Oh, we look up. He throws down another, another uh, monetary gift or whatever. He always, he's always providing. Amen. He's constantly giving us food on our tables to eat. He's giving us friends and family here at the church that we can look to for advice and for help. He's putting people in our lives that are leading us the right way. I have Pastor Kenny. I have Pastor Omar. You guys have my dad as well as I do. You guys have my grandfather and my other grandfather. You have George Carrigal that's coming up now. We have all these different people in our lives that are here to instruct us and to help us achieve our good life. And we have people that are here are pointing us the way. They're like, God's here taking us by the hand, and they're here on the sidelines. They're cheering us on, like if we're running to the end zone. Like the coach, you see all the time, um, not so much in Dolphin games, but you see in other teams, you see the coach, the running back will be running down the sidelines and he'll be dodging everybody, he'll be running, and you see the coach start walking with him and he's cheering him on, he's like, go forward, forward, and he's cheering him on, he's like, let's go, 10 more yards, 13 more yards, whatever it may be, and he's continually telling him, let's go, the life is right there, continue to push forward, God has a life, God has points for you on the other side, God has a life of goodness for you guys. I'm a soft guy. <laughs> God wants us to get that touchdown. God has that life prepared for us. If we could put, um, did we say Luke 17, 33 already? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. If we lose ourselves, if we lose our flesh, we deny ourselves, we put ourselves on the cross, and we carry it daily, God has incredible blessings for us and incredible stories that we could be able to tell from generation to generation. Like when it started with my grandfather, and he's able to stop everything he was doing wrong, and he's able to decide to deny himself and to leave a legacy for my dad, and then later on to me, and then to my family, and to my kids, and we're going to be able to continue to change the world. Yes. We put on Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We have many examples in the Bible of different people that decided to deny themselves and to lose themselves and decided to go after what God has called for them. We go back to the example of my dad, and we see that now he's traveling the world. He's going to Switzerland. He's going to Germany. He's going all over South America, and he's all doing this first class. <laughs> Not only that, he has a great family. 
He has awesome kids. He has an amazing marriage. He has a Lexus. Like, he has it all. And I bet when he was 18, he would have never thought for himself the things that God had for him today. And I bet if you ask him today, Dad, was it worth it? He'll tell you, of course, and I do it all over again. Not only him, but we have Abraham. He decided to deny himself, lose himself. Now he's the father of many nations. We have Job. That he decided that while he was being tried, decided to stay on God and God double what he had before. Amen. We have Ruth that was, um, she lost her marriage or whatever. And instead of leaving like the other girl did, Orpah, she decided to stay on to what God had called her and that was to take care of Naomi. And she decided to follow her and she got her marriage back. She, got mar- she was married to Boaz. And not only that, she was able to be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. And one of the, there's many, but the last one I have here, Queen Esther, that she was able to be taken. She was given an arranged marriage to the king that was, that was not living life according to what God had. And she had to be married to him. And instead of having a bad attitude about it, she became a queen. And not only a queen, but she was able to be used by that to save Israel and to save the people of God. And that way she was able to continue the progress or the, the steps that needed to be taken for God to be able to be born, for God to be, to be able to turn into flesh and to be able to then him deny himself, take up the cross and die for all of us to be able to one day live with him. If you live your life with God in the center of it all, I can guarantee you that you will have it all at the end of it. The only way to have a good life is to have a life with God in the center of it. Jesus is our comforter, he's our savior, provider, he's all these things. He's our father in heaven, he wants to give us the best. He's our all in all. And if we finish here in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, that's the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Will you go after God's plans? Or are you going to continue to snag on to what the world thinks is the good life? Are you going to continue grabbing over things, grabbing empty things, and eventually fall over the cliff to your death and lose the things that God has for you? Guys, that's sad. That's not what God has for us. He has blessings beyond our comprehension. God only knows. My dad talks to the mayor, and not only talks to the mayor, he gives him advice. The mayor listens to my dad, and he, and he does what my dad tells him to do. Not, not in everything, but like he, at least he gets the faith-based perspective that my dad is able to give him. If my dad is talking to the mayor, God only knows who I'm going to be talking to. That's right. When I went to the, um, I was able to go to the Joel Osteen thing, and I was able to see him, and I saw everything, and like, it just blew my mind what could be happening in a couple years. <laughs> with my life and what God has in store for me. I want to be able to fill up stadiums. I want to be used by God in that way. It's 15 years of God's goodness in our lives and we already have all this and that's with constant struggles being placed in our lives and with people leaving and looking for the good life somewhere else. But we have here something special. 
something that God has planned and that he's forming and I can see it happening and I know it's going to happen. And we see him like forming and shaping the road and we're just following him, holding on to his hand, being taken to what he has. Will you go after his plans or will you go after your own? And I finish with that. Um, just trust God. Hold on to his hand and he's going to take you places that you'll never believe. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Let's remain standing. You know that when I heard this, and I hadn't heard it till the, a couple days ago, and I said the church needs to hear this. How many say amen? amen? Right? That's powerful. We're not playing games here. I'm not trying to posture my son, but a man of God with words of God, we need to hear them. And today's been a powerful good great job Nick you know how we've deprived our children of their inheritance in God by our selfishness and our stupidity is horrendous we wanted our children to follow after Alex Rodriguez and Michael Jordan and the baseball players and not Jesus Christ it's sinister, it's wicked, it's ignorance, it's, it's horrible. That God wants to make our children princes upon the earth to give them inheritance of nations. And we have not left footprints. We have not left a legacy for them to inherit. Jesus says, fear not, my small flock, it has pleased the Father to give you his kingdom wants to bestow exactly what Nick said. This is, this is a gifting of God. It's His grace. It's His goodness. And then our serving God is so meager and so secondary and so blatantly stale. Come on, we have to go to church again. And God have mercy on us because He says, those who make my little ones to stumble, it's better that they tie a noose around their neck, a limestone, and throw themselves in the sea if we're going to stumble our children and our grandchildren from receiving what God has for them when they see our lukewarm indifferent stale heart and when Nick talks about you guys today about the good life listen to me there's a price to pay there's a huge price to pay and all along the way we have paid that price we paid the price with our family. We paid the price with our careers, with our money, with our treasures. His first throwback Thursday car cost them uh, cost us fifteen hundred dollars, a thousand five hundred dollars. I could have bought my if I would have stayed as a lawyer, I bought my son a brand new car. But we have put a brand new God, a relationship with God above material things, and we have seen the glory of God. I always see the glory of God. I want to give you an opportunity to come and tell God, I want to make a change. I want to pursue the good life. So I think there's too many of us here. Just raise your hand if this is for you. 
If you've heard from God today and you're going to make a decision and you're going to make a closer step to God, we're going to sing one song and then we're going to pray. And here I am down on my knees again surrendering all surrendering